All right. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome. I suppose it's afternoon where most of you guys are. It's evening here. And welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show, Designers Discussing Designs. I am here with the well-missed Daryl Andrews, who has been away at this weird thing we're going to talk about called The Gathering for the past little while. How are you doing there, Daryl? I'm doing great. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be back. I missed the last two shows and happy to chat a little bit about where I've been. Uh, but we also have an esteemed uh, guest here as our third host, Nate Murray. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing excellent. Good afternoon or uh, good morning, depending on where you are. Good to That's be right. Back, we're, we're, we're crossing the, the globe here. We got, uh, right. we got West Coast, East Coast, and Europe covered. Uh, oh, Dylan, Dylan, what have you been up to lately? Well, we just had Easter weekend, so it was a, an excuse to have a all-day pajama day games day with the children, which was totally awesome. Uh, my daughter decided to be able to, uh, that it was time to play Citadels. She pulled out Citadels and uh, schooled me in both of the games because she learned how to use the assassin and the thief like a, uh, an absolute master. So that's awesome. She's a complete backstabber. You know, <laughs> a girl after my own heart. Love it. Uh, but that that was my weekend. How about uh, how about let's let's go to to Nate. What about you? Oh, just enjoying San Diego. Had some uh, great family in town, and uh, got some gaming in with them, and got to tour them around the city, which is one of my favorite things to do. So uh, anybody who comes to San Diego, shoot me a tweet. Uh, as Daryl can can attest to, I know some pretty good restaurants. A, although we do time. disagree on California burritos. But I have a new one for him next time he comes. Yeah, the California burrito is a mistake, and the only the only reason people like the California burrito is because they're hungover, and it is something to soak up the alcohol at a late hour. But instead, they should be going for fish tacos. We have poutine for that, really. Can't it's disagree like... on the intent of the California burrito. But Daryl, can can you tell me who we got for guests today, and what the heck is the topic we're talking about? Yeah, no, I'm excited about this. So we have Colin Young, who's going to describe a little bit about his role with Simon, and then we also have Gil Hova, who's with Formal Ferret. Uh, he's also a designer, but it's also his publishing house. Uh, so he'll tell us a little bit more about uh, Formal Ferret and what's going on there. Uh, but uh, before we do, I just want to explain uh what uh i was at and why they're on we're going to talk a little bit about the gathering of friends and and one thing i noticed while i was away is there's a little bit of a misunderstanding of what it is and uh sadly i think something that's really uh good intentioned um upset a few people and i don't want to i don't want to invalidate those feelings i actually just want to bring them to light and say that uh and to some degree, I really understand uh, because I, you know, I feel very honored and, and uh, uh, thankful that I can go. But I also understand that it's the type of event that not everyone can attend because the goal is uh, to keep it small. It's an event that Alan Moon, who uh, if you're not familiar with Alan Moon, he's a wonderful designer. He's designed my favorite game and many other people's favorite games. Uh, he's most known for Ticket to Ride, but my personal favorite is San Marco. He also has done wonderful games like Elf and Land and a few others. Um, so I highly recommend, please check out Alan's games. They're phenomenal. Um, but the nice thing is it actually just started with him inviting his friends to come together and play some games. And then they asked, can I bring some of my friends? And it kind of grew to a point where he just couldn't have any more people come. And uh, thankfully, I squeezed in because I, I used to run board game events across Canada. Uh, with the great Canadian board game blitz, and so I happen to know a lot of people, a lot of gamers in Canada, uh, by running fifteen to twenty game events across Canada, and it's it's turned into yes, there's been there's some industry work and some secret stuff and all that, but really it's just an excuse for a bunch of friends to get together and play some board games, um, and so we're going to talk about that and talk about some of the behind the scenes things that happens, but also I think what most people can be excited about is hearing some sneak peeks of some games that are coming. So we're going to try to talk about some games that we saw and some things that we played, what we thought of them so that people can look forward to and hopefully kind of live vicariously through some of the people that got to try stuff out. Um, and then, you know, we might have some questions on the board and we'd be happy to interact with that. Um, but hopefully maybe kind of pull the curtain away 
and uh, pull the shroud away of that it's not this elitist, um, you know, the who's who. Actually, the majority are uh, people that just enjoy playing board games and happen to be a friend of a friend that got invited to a party. So, uh, Though I do have to say we did crack beyond that veil and pierced that veil last yes, week when we saw right. you at a table playing none other than brass the new rocks edition of brass the number two hotness on the hotness the list hotness. it has now kicked sagrada off the hotness well uh, off, the top. off the top popped <laughs> popped me from from the two spot i mean gloomhaven's gonna own the number gloomhaven's one Gloomhaven's never gonna go for <laughs> but uh yeah. no further ado let's invite our guests on we have uh we have colin coming to us uh and we have gil Coming on, uh, Colin, do you want to say hi to us and make sure to turn that, that mute off? Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. Amazing. Hello, I'm Colin. How are you? Good. Colin, can you just give us a quick snippet of like what you do and, and maybe how you originally got connected to the gathering? Sure. Um, these days I work for Simon uh, as uh, I, my technical title is Content Creator. I do work for them uh, involving game trailers and promo videos. I am the script writer for that and the lead on that. I do uh, proofreading for them as well as uh, dabbling a little bit in their uh, rules work, working with the producers uh, down in the Sao Paulo office for that. So that uh, I'm, I'm word guy is I suppose the translation to uh, content creator with, uh, with Simon, but I, that's a newer gig originally, as I think I was trying to crunch the numbers. Uh, I, I think this has been my fourth gathering. Uh, and I originally got in because I used to work at, um, uh, the Toronto board game cafe, snakes and lattes. Uh, and in the four years ago, uh, the owner Ben and several of us, uh, were very fortunate to be invited. Um, uh, and I've been going ever since. So that was what brought me to the table, uh, and Simon's what's keeping me at the table these days. <laughs> All right, well, I want to talk and ask Jill to, to maybe make your uh, your entrance onto the scene here. We see your distinguished ferret face all over BGG. We want to know the man behind the ferret. Who is Jill Hova? It's pretty easy to find out these days. I'm... Um... I'm the designer of the networks and the publisher as well. Uh, I've run formal ferret games ever since 2014. Uh, I also make uh, bad medicine uh, that I hope to get that game a good reboot in a year or so because uh, it's unavailable right now. And uh, I'm about to release Wordsy, which is my word game that's going to come out in August. Uh, so yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell. I also designed uh, Battle Merchants. They came out, came out in 2014. Uh, you can hear my voice on a few podcasts on Breaking Into Board Games and most recently Ludology. Uh, my debut on Ludology as a regular co-host will be on, on Sunday, which I'm really super excited about. I'm actually editing the episode uh, today and it's coming out very well and I'm very nervous about it. Nice, nice. So, Colin, uh, so you're the content creator for Simon. Uh, they do a lot of content. Is it you that has to write the seventy something plus updates for these campaigns? No, no, thank goodness. The um, for the the Kickstarter campaigns, that's uh, going to be the producer in charge of uh, of the Kickstarter projects down in Sao Paulo. I just generate. Uh, so, in terms of that content. Uh, Rising Sun's updates are not mine, but I was lead on writing the script for the video at the top of it. So I would be working on developing that alongside the producer, uh, who's kind of controlling the tone of the game, making sure that the high points are there, as well as liaising with the uh, uh, animation, the video studio, to make sure that if I'm saying, add cards here, they, they're making those words actually look like a thing that is awesome and rad, as opposed to... Uh, Square bracket, insert game card here, end square bracket. That's less sure. vivacious, less interesting than when they actually animated into beauty. So I'm just one of the initial cogs. Nice. So, and actually, Gil, I want to come back to you and, and let's start cracking open that, uh, that wall 
between us and the gathering. What's your initial connection with the uh, with the gathering? How did you get in there? Secret handshakes, you know, what what is it? I mean, like everyone else, I got lucky and I had a um I I was able to network uh, about I'd say when I first got into the board game scene and I started uh designing games, this was about 2001, 2002. Uh I would go to the small event called Spielbini, uh which was just about like eight to ten people. It was very small. Uh, but one of the designers there turned out to, um, uh, like, years later when I was trying to get into the gathering, I took I tried to get in for three years, um, and I only made it in on my third year. And that's because uh, it turns out that the webmaster for the gathering uh, was one of the attendees for Spielbany. And so he made, he handled my nomination process. And uh, that was my ticket in and I was very lucky and thankful uh, for that because it really helped me as a designer and as a publisher. Very oh, and, cool. uh, and uh, yes, it was, uh, can I say his name? Am I allowed to say his yeah, name? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's Dave Tome who uh, is, uh, I understand is watching now. Hey Dave. And uh, thank you again. I owe you another dinner. <laughs> I, I hear that David is uh, his vote. Man matters uh, i joke because he he got john gilmore in and uh and i i voted for john and my vote did not matter uh, so yeah and john was a great addition too yes absolutely i i mean we all we all try to get as many of our friends in but like i mentioned before it, it's tough it's a tough it's a tough gig for the organizer i can speak from experience of running events too of juggling the numbers where there's only so much room uh, people always commit to coming and then very, very last minute decide, uh, if they can't come. So that's, that's a, that's a tough thing. It's like, uh, trying to juggle like so many seats at a, at a wedding or something like the wedding dinner where you only have so many invites. You want to invite everyone, but unfortunately you can't, you can't get everyone to the party. So, um, I, I, I actually want to, um, pass this question maybe to, to everyone. I can't, Remember, I don't think Colin went, but Colin's familiar with the place, and I know Gil went. Um, but we did a kind of a a gathering in Toronto. Um, Gil, do you want to tell us a little bit of how we kind of expanded the experience uh, to get away and maybe open and try to open the doors to a few people? Do you want to t talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah, uh, though uh, Daryl's the one kind of responsible for it, so uh, you know that uh, Daryl's the best person here. But sure, I'll I'll mention it. Uh, I can I can add it in whatever. Sure, sure, you can correct me if I screwed anything up. Uh, so for the second straight year, uh, Daryl organized a bus to go up from Niagara Falls to Toronto. That's about a about a ninety minute to one hundred twenty minute bus ride. Uh, perfect for a board game if there was only a horizontal surface on the bus that we could play on. And so we, dro we drove up to Snakes and Lattes on College Street, uh, and a bunch of gathering people descended upon there like locusts. And they had, this year they had the whole back of the, uh, the place reserved for us. So we got there and we played a bunch of games. We met up a bunch of, uh, with a bunch of people who don't happen to have invites but still want to say hi to everyone. And if you want to meet a bunch of people, you know, who are at the gathering, you know, it's, uh, I wouldn't quite say it's like a petting zoo, but it's, it's got a little bit of that feel to it. Uh, you know, be careful. Don't pet the designers. Don't put your hands too close uh -oh. to the house, that sort of thing. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a really cool event, uh, because, you know, there's a bunch of people who make it up there. We bring our games, so you'll get, still get to play some of the latest prototypes because, uh, I know John Gilmore brought a uh, wasteland wasteland delivery service, um, and uh, Eric Lang brought some of the titles that he's working on for Simon, and uh, I obviously brought the games that I'm working on. So it's uh, the network's expansion in Wordsy, if you're wondering. So it's a great opportunity to play some of the the new games, and then at five o'clock we get back on the bus and we go take in a Blue Jays game. So it's a really good day out in Toronto. Oh, that's definitely not a Daryl thing at all. That whole he hates baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, I only tolerate it. Gil, uh, I'm gonna take it as as someone who didn't go to you guys at the secret party, um, and I'll, I'd love to close on thoughts on that. But uh, Gil, did I see something about you being an escape room enthusiast? 
Uh, as I did, I believe, nine escape rooms uh, while I was up at the gathering. Uh, and uh, I'm still, you know, I'm still somewhat new to it. I've only done 14 total, so I can't claim to have significant experience just yet. Uh, I have, uh, I went with my friend Weiwa, Weiwa Wang, uh, who has done at this time over 200 escape rooms. So I would call him an enthusiast. You know, right now I'm just sort of new to it. But um, I happen to work at an escape room also just as an operator. I don't own it. But yeah, I do enjoy escape rooms. I'm learning a lot about game design from escape rooms. And I'm also just enjoying them as uh, just a new form of playing. Nice. Uh, I think 14 is a pretty solid number, by the way. Um, so I've seen a, a trend of uh, the escape room kind of experience being trying being tried to translate into board games. Have you tried any of these, and what do you think about that? Is it a possible thing to translate this experience onto a tabletop? I have not yet gotten to try any of the like canonical ones, like uh, I like the Think Fun one. I want to try. There's a bunch of bunch of them out there, and I haven't really gotten to try them yet. The only the closest one I've tried has been Time Stories, uh, mm -hmm. which is you know it's in the ballpark. I'd say it's adjacent, and I know on the Escape Room podcasts I listen to, you know they're super aware of it and they enjoy it because it's got an experience similar to an escape room, but it's got its own thing also. I wouldn't say it's it's meant to be like an escape room. Uh, it's just meant to sort of appeal to the same demographic, um, whereas some of the others that have a timer, you know, they're more straight puzzle oriented. You know, they're not so much about uh, rolling dice and fighting uh, fighting these various creatures that you may encounter. The, you know, that's the time stories brings a lot in from like the role playing tabletop role playing that uh, a traditional escape room doesn't, uh, you know, which is, which is great. I think time stories, that's one thing that makes time stories so interesting, but I, I, I think probably at this point in a few months, I'll be able to more intelligently answer that question. All right, right on. Well, let's let's go back to Colin here, and I'm I'm kind of always the one who likes to hear about your superhero origin stories, because uh, obviously Simon is is a big name in well amongst us, you know, amongst the uh, those who are game enthusiasts, and I, I kind of want to hear how you started with them. Actually, how did that how did that happen? Uh, well, um, I am current. Well, let me. Let me use my words carefully. I'm, I want to say I'm currently in Montreal. I currently reside in Montreal. I'm currently in London, Ontario. Hi, Sen. Uh, <laughs> because it's my so brother's getting married on Sunday, so I'm still on the road. Uh, but uh, I currently reside in Montreal. I moved there to get my uh, master's in English literature, which I'll be wrapping up in the summer uh, on board games because I'm a nerd. Um, but I have known... Uh, Jules uh, Vautour and uh, Ruby Nicolopolo uh, from their days working with Asmodee uh, when I was at Snakes and Lattes. And they made the transition to Simon and were based in Montreal. At one point, um, I mean, we were looking for something to be able to do together uh, and that didn't work out early on. They're, they didn't have that need yet. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm still head down working on uh, my lit studies. Uh, and then um, I guess uh, late summer, uh, early fall last year, um, they were uh, doing some more expanding and uh, uh, Ruby got in touch with me and we were kind of batting the ball back and forth. And uh, she said, well, we need someone uh, who's able to do some of this written material. Uh, I know that's kind of in your wheelhouse or these things you'll be able to do. And so I began having a couple of uh, conversations with some of the uh, the dev team in Sao Paulo, as well as in the management team, the marketing team in uh, based in Atlanta. And I was able to have some positive uh, conversations there and uh, jump into the team. So I kind of have my foot in both sides there, uh, liaising with uh, the different offices. And that's pretty much where it's been going ever since, just in terms of getting more and more involved in the company and figuring out uh, how, how to adapt to the culture that they're trying to create as they're in this uh, growth period. 
Very cool. All right. Uh, I got another uh, question. I'm going to fire this actually to both of our guests. Uh, we'll start We'll start with Gil, and then we'll go to Colin. But uh, one thing that maybe some people aren't aware of uh, that happens at the gathering, we'll try to reveal some of the secrets uh, of the gathering. Uh, one of them is there's kind of like a, a marketplace, uh, a yard sale per se, of board games. And sometimes uh, it's hard to imagine. So I'm going to have uh, Gil and Colin kind of describe what the experience is like and uh, and then maybe if you've if you've managed to either buy or sell anything, tell us maybe a few highlights. So we'll start we'll start with Gil, and, and go from there. Yeah. So I usually sell games at the flea market there because, uh, like the only other flea market that I con with a flea market that I drive to is BGG Con, but that's such a long drive for me. It's twenty two hours, and I have to put my whole booth in there that I have no room to fit any use games to sell there and besides uh at any time to bgg con i'm usually at my booth so uh it's not a good time for me to sell whereas um at the gathering that's pretty much half my car load is just my you get used games to sell or my games that i'm going to play during the week and i'll decide at the convention if i'm going to sell them or not so you know i usually do pretty well um i um i think this year i overpriced my games a little bit so they didn't sell as uh, quick as I could, as they could, but it's tricky because it's not your average or audience. Like generally, most people um, has owned the games you're selling at one point or another, so you're not going to surprise them. Uh, either that, or if you've got some Kickstarter games, uh, a lot of people at the gathering are still a little skeptical of the whole Kickstarter thing. So uh, you know they're not going to be as familiar with Kickstarter games. So uh, I was able to sell a copy of Helvetia. Uh, that I just never got to the table. It's a great game. It's very hard to find now. But I was only able to sell it for like for less than $30. Uh, so it's not, uh, you won't make a lot of money at the convention. It's more like, a, I'm sorry, at the flea market. It's more of like an emergency thing. Uh, not emergency, but like, for me, it's like a release valve. Like I got to clear off my shelves. So here are some old games that need nice loving homes. Um and then I always say I'm never going to buy anything. I'm never going to buy anything. And, of course, I buy stuff. Uh, I got a bunch of Age of Steam expansion maps, uh, which I'm really excited to try. And I got High Frontier uh, first edition with the expansion. And I'm, uh, I'm really excited slash terrified to, uh, to try it. Um, Jeff Engelstein told me that he'll teach it to me. So, you know, hopefully that will – I'm sure that's going to be a good experience, but I'm, I'm really excited to try that. But, yeah, uh, you know, what happens is it starts at 10 a.m., so everyone starts setting – like, people are claiming tables as early as 8, uh, and then they set up, and, uh, we, you know, we, we sticker all our games with prices and usually write wise-ass things on the, on the price labels. Uh, then at 10 a.m., uh, everybody wanders in. And this is the main ballroom of the gathering. The gathering mostly happens in a single ballroom, um, it's not terribly large. You know, I would say it's about a third of the size of the BGG Con ballroom. You know, it's only like a third of it. So what happens on Saturdays? They Saturday night they rearrange all the tables. Uh, like early Saturday morning, Friday night slash Saturday morning, they change it all from like convention mode. Uh, what's that banging? Is someone like you know banging something right now? That's a really cool sound. Anyway, so um. Killing so chickens. Going, oh, very good. So uh, they rearrange all the tables. So by the time people come in, they're, they're, it's sort of got this uh, flea market set up where people can wander around the periphery of the of the ballroom. Uh, but if you want to play a game on Saturday, you've got to find uh, – there's tables outside the ballroom. But it's generally tougher to find a place to play on Saturday because everybody's uh, at the flea market. Uh, so the flea market starts at 10, and it ends at like – 10:45 or 11 it doesn't last that long uh and usually by then you know hopefully you've sold at least half of your games and you're doing you did a decent job i did okay i sold about a half of my games um you know i think i could have sold more had i priced more intelligently but what can you do and how about you con uh anything you would add to the experience uh, well, that's, uh, that's a good overview. I think I'll add my, cause I didn't sell. I was purely a consumer uh, and I was fortunate to be a consumer this year. Uh, cause it happens on the second Saturday. So it's Saturday. It's a Saturday. Um, and so if you've been there for the whole time already, 
if at the beginning of the week you're like, okay, I'm going to eat healthy, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to have a good week, that like eight or nine days, uh, you know, just playing games late night with people you'll see maybe once or twice a year, that it, it doesn't last uh, like seven or eight days. So by the second Saturday, like the first two days you're on the elliptical, the Saturday when it's a flea market, maybe I've got five hours of sleep. And I've got the I've got my Starbucks from like the in machine with the little Mr. Coffee, and my like my eyes are half closed as the line is starting to go in. So I've timed it well enough that I can look like a zombie. And it's like, oh yeah, no, it's just wandering into the flea market. That's fine. Just take your time. I'm like, mm, okay. And so then you just start making the, the the path around the central hub, and maybe you go backwards because you don't know where you are right now. So I'm just looking at numbers and I'm looking at games. Uh, and that's as much as I can do. Now, I do not have my own car. I'm not driving. Uh, so that sweet, sweet copy of TI3 can go take a hike. Uh, that's someone else's treasure. That's not going to be for me unless I ride that home. Uh, so I'm looking for smaller things that'll fit in my uh, modest suitcase. Uh, so I managed to find a couple of things. I found three uh, miraculously fitting into my luggage on my way back. So I found, uh, I was very happy to pick up a uh, $10 it was 12 but a wink and a smile gets you two bucks off. Uh, a ten, uh, I got a $10 copy of Choreo, the, uh, the game from Moonstar, which I'm a huge fan of, uh, but never get to play enough of, uh, because I don't own it, so I guess that follows. Uh, now I do. Uh, I found a $10 copy of Sneaks and Snitches, and I waited just long enough for it to become a $5 copy of Sneaks and Snitches which was a better price for me on my side of the table. I apologize in advance, Gil. I'm one of the bad guys. Uh, and then I managed to sneak a copy of uh, Tides of... Now, it was Tides of Madness. It was pitched to me as a misprint because it's Tides of Radness, and it was promised that the experience would be totally sick, bro. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know how totally sick it's going to be yet, but the art is amazing, so for $5, why not? So I want, for $20 American which is approximately 50 to $70 Canadian right now, I think. Is that, I think that's what it is. Perfect uh, match to walk away. Yeah, I think those are the numbers. I'm a math guy. Um, so, yeah, that's not too bad. And then you kind of stumble out. You find a little, uh, a little bit more coffee. I was going to say breakfast, but no. Uh, and then uh, you just keep playing games. And they tell you, okay, uh, get out now. And they shoot you out. It's like, we need to fix this room, get out, leave, please do something literally anywhere else. Uh, and then uh, that's the flea market as far as my sleep deprived experience recalls. Nice. Tides of Radness sounds like a, a game designed by Matt Fantastic. There are a lot of skateboards, more so than I thought. Um, I don't know if those were added after market, but like, I'll, I'll report back on that later. Uh, that's epic. So, uh, I was going to address a question in the chat from David, and uh, he was wondering about how to handle the backlash uh, of gathering invites for lack of. So, speaking from experience, I am an uninvited person to this party that sounds epic. Sounds very fun. I've been in the industry five years. I work with everybody. Uh, you know, I think I bring a generally good vibe when I show up to a party. I'm a good at. That said, not. How I feel about this is it's it's not my thing. I don't know Alan. Um, I I can't say it. Not really a for-profit thing where he's just wanting to make money off the deal. He's throwing he's throwing a party. So you know I I can't fault someone that I don't know for not inviting me to their party. Um, I do an annual trip with thirty guys to uh, to Reno. It's a thirty-year-old tradition. 30 guys sounds like a lot. Sounds like a heck of a party. It sounds like, oh, when you hear me say that to you, you just go, oh, I'll, I'll come to what weekend? Hold on. <laughs> you know, we make guys wait four or five years, and it's like you got to know how you're going to interact with everybody who's at that party. Uh, and that's an important thing to know about someone is do, do you bring a positive or negative value to something? Like, I not only want to know are you an important person in the industry, but are you actually fun to game with? And if Alan or people can't vouch for that, if you're bringing, this is not a convention that people are going to to make money. This is a convention people are going to to enjoy each other's company. And so that's why I love when I hear about this, people have to vote, people are in all that. It's like, you're not voting in, hey, we need this guy because it's gonna he's gonna leak inside stuff and it's gonna propel this convention. Because that's not the purpose of the convention. So I love that. 
So you're, you guys are looking for people who are value adding to a good time. And so I am jealous into it, but politely respect that that's also what I look for. If I'm going to spend seven days somewhere, I want it to be with people I enjoy. I don't know Alan personally. So of it, it just, it makes sense to me. Um, Gil, what, like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, it, I think the important thing to remember is it's like who gets invited and who doesn't get an invite is not like a value judgment. You know, it's not like if uh, people who are invited are more valuable than people who aren't invited. Like I can see how people fall into that trap uh, easily, but that's really not the case. Uh, at this point, people not getting the invite has really more to do with space uh, and the fact that Alan needs to keep the convention at a manageable size. That it is about, you know, well, I, all these people are worth it, but you are not worth it, so you don't make it in. Uh, frankly, I think if the people, if the convention invited everybody who deserved to be in, it would be three times the size, and therefore would be un unmanageable in size. Uh, and the group dynamics, as Nate correctly points out, would be much crazier. Um, and it would also lose its um, a feeling of a gathering of friends, because... Uh, ultimately, there's still a core group of people who have been to the convention for decades. Uh, they call so if you have been to the convention for over 20 years, uh, you get your a black badge. So everybody's got their name badge, and if you have a black badge, that means you've uh, you've been uh, going to the convention for at least 20 years. And there's there's enough black badges going around that you know it shows that there's still a core of um, a group of friends to this convention and a lot of people who are in just for the, not just for, but, but a bunch of people who are in uh, for the industry side and who, because uh, the convention has kind of become an industry convention uh, and that was not the intent originally. Um, you know, those are, that that's just sort of happened after the fact. And that's not really what the convention was originally supposed to be. So I think it's sort of, exists sort of this quantum superposition of both of those, like a small intimate convention of friends and uh, a little bit of an industry uh, convention as well. Uh, but honestly, if you don't have an invite, that doesn't mean you're shut out of the game industry. Because uh, if you want to go to a convention where you can pitch your games, um, you can go to conventions like Origins or BGG Con. You know, Origins, while it's a relatively large convention, is still relatively relatively laid back and a lot of publishers have more time to talk to people uh there's a convention in las vegas called MeepleCon uh that seems to bring a lot of publishers in because it's right next to gamma in terms of location and time uh so that convention is deliberately trying to pull uh keep uh, exhibitors and publishers in the area so they might be open to taking pitches there um, if you go to BGGCon, that's a very laid-back convention. You can pitch to publishers there. Uh, if you want to go to a convention that's 10 days long, go to WBC in Pennsylvania. Uh, that's a 10-day-long convention, and while they have a good amount of wargamers there, there's plenty of people who play all kinds of games there. Uh, if you want to uh, playtest your game over and over and over again, go to Unpub. Uh, while getting a table there is not a trivial process, it is a little bit easier than getting a table, you know, getting an invite at the gathering. You know, so there's all these conventions that you can go make it in and still be fully involved in the game business. I mean, just because you don't happen to have an invite to the gathering doesn't mean you're not valuable in the game business. Exactly, and I think maybe Colin, if if you have any follow up ideas on uh, on exactly this, like what is it what is it like being invited, and and what do you what do you think from your perspective as an invitee? Uh, what would you say to the the people who are not invited, like myself? <laughs> I choke whenever I say that. Uh, what what would you your is your answer to the the critique that uh, that has come up recently, especially? Well. It's uh, It can be a sticky issue because of what it is now uh, and what the perception of the event is now. Um, because now it is, from outsiders, it's not an event that used to be heavily publicized. And so more and more people talk about it more, put stuff up on social media more, more social media allows more conversation. I mean, th this was the 28th year. So, I mean, it's been going for almost three decades. Um, and as, as Gail already mentioned, 
it is still a gathering of friends. This is still Alan decided to put something together for the people he knew. And then he gradually allowed people that he knew to nominate people that they knew or what have you. It's kind of a, hey, do you want to play some games? And I mean, it's as, as much as we love the growth of the industry, in many ways, it's still a smaller industry. So a lot of people do know one another. So there are a lot of people that uh, have been in the industry for a long, long time. And even if they've moved laterally within the industry, they're still there and they're still, you know, hanging out as friends and the convention circuit and they get an opportunity at the gathering to play some games. I mean, I like, it's not, I don't want to say to people, Hey, start your own convention because that seems patronizing or that seems to deflect the responsibility of what this event is. But the, the event is, uh, an experience that is started small and intimate and if that's what you're looking for you can you can create those communities where you are and i mean there's stuff you can try something the rapid growth of like grand con and grand rapids that's been doing really well breakout con had its second year in toronto this year and that's starting to grow even more so i mean there's always an opportunity to do uh, community community building where you are if the issue is that you're not invited because there are a lot of movers and shakers, if that's your perception of it, then that's a different thing. Then you don't want to go because you want to have fun. You're going because you want to be around influential people. And if that is the case, that argument to me seems less ingenuous than if you want to play games with people that you're friends with. Um, so I don't know. I I don't think it is a, a, a convention where huge business is done. That's a, I mean, you're right in between Gamma and Origins. There are other more important shows for business to occur. Um, so as a community gathering and as an opportunity for people to get together, I mean, it, it's one show and there's so many shows now and there's so many opportunities to play games with people that you like and have fun with. So I think that the best thing to spend energy on is talk to your friends and generate community wherever you can do so. That's, again, I don't want to come off as a dick. It's very easy for me to be um, glib or to come off as glib being someone that's there. If I wasn't there, what would I do? I mean, I may push something more locally in Montreal, add on to the Montreal Comic-Con experience, go to breakout more. I mean, I'm kind of introverted, so I go to only so many shows. So that's, I'm not always the guy to say, yes, I want to play 10 days at WBC. That might be intense for me. This is nice because it's intimate. It's There's a lot of people I know there. So I think that's what counts. I think it's rather than letting one opportunity frustrate you, find ways that you can encourage community for uh, those around you and your particular friends. Well, I don't think that was hot fire. That's that's why this guy creates content. Uh, very good, and I hope people take that to heart. Like seriously, foster your own communities. Um, really well done. Somebody capture that clip. Uh, so, following up in that vibe, uh, I have heard you guys mentioned the black badge for twenty years. I've heard that first year people get a special badge as well, and that you know maybe to throw some positivity on how this show treats people instead of what we're talking about with some people like getting there. Um, could you guys share, and maybe we'll start with Gil, share your experience of your first year there, and, and if someone could maybe do a better definition of what a first year badge is, because I ain't got one. Yeah, if you show up uh, in your first year, you get a red badge instead of the traditional. The regular badge has a white ba black text on a white background, uh, and the red badge is a reddish badge, you know, red background with black text. Uh, and that way everybody knows it's your first year, and generally uh, they're going to go up to you and they, they're going to say, welcome, do you want to play a game? Uh, they're going to be more willing to invite you into a game uh, because they're going to assume that uh, you don't necessarily know everybody there. So first-timers get treated really well. Uh, and I know I try to go out of my way to say, hi, how's it going? And uh, welcome to the gathering and that sort of thing. So, yeah, first-timers, uh, um, yeah, we, we go out of our way to try to, to make it work. Uh, I think the badges that um, excited me the most, uh, there were a couple of badges uh, that actually had little dog bones on them. And it turns out that was for one of the three dogs that was for the three different dogs that attended the gathering, uh, which was fantastic. So it was just 
it was it's great to go to a convention and go over and pet a dog. I mean, more conventions should have a place where you can pet a critter. Can I, can I jump in here as well before before you get on this, Colin? I just want to say being a red badge is the best. I've never been to a con where people intentionally are like looking out for who is new and intentionally try to welcome you in, uh, especially my first year. I, and it's still kind of the, the, the ethos, the nature of the place is that everyone's just in the habit of seeing a person and inviting them to join in a game. But people are very intentional, uh, and there is now kind of an atmosphere that is created of that uh, the group has a responsibility to look for red badges, make them feel welcome, make sure that that first year is amazing. And I, I yeah. can even say um, little things like, Gil was talking about the the marketplace. I never had the best deals of my life except for that year I was a red badge. You go around and you yeah. go, oh, I'm kind of thinking about this game. And they go, ah, give me five bucks. It's yours. Yeah. Or like, you know yeah. what? Have the game. And honestly, it was incredible just because that is the, the, the heart behind why Alan is doing it. It is literally his, his passion is that people have a great time. It doesn't matter if you made the hottest game or you just come out to Alan's house and play test. Like the whole idea is that everyone's there to enjoy and hang out, uh, play games, laugh together. And, and really uh, it, 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 it creates this great fun, different feel like your conventions are all really great and they have their own feel, but this one is all about playing games and hanging out together. It's all about being together. So I just wanted to jump in the red badge experience, but Colin, is there any, Highlights or things that you can remember from when you were a red badge? I'm trying to remember my red badge. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it was a great experience because not only does it, uh, do you have a red uh, kind of showing people to come to you to talk to you, uh, but every badge also has where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you have that already, you've got a little place marker and they ask, Oh, okay, you're Canadian or, Oh, you're from Ontario. If they're already Canadian, it's like the, there's a point of conversation, uh, which goes beyond the gaming. So even if people are just introducing yourselves, it's an ice war, uh, it's an icebreaker. And I think what's nice about the red badges, um, now that it's starting to escape my, my, my memory. And now that it's just kind of like, Oh, okay. It's gathering time again. Um, now it's i am now transitioning towards that experience where i'm welcoming the red badges and i think that everything i experienced as a red badge whether i can remember everything or not uh whatever i see each year i'm also now doing it because the atmosphere the environment of the convention uh is such that it's an, it's a naturally uh welcoming event for those who are here like we're all trying to make everyone feel welcome within i mean the the ability to do so um uh, given who uh, who can uh, who's who's present uh and i made a lot of i mean my first year um one of the first people that kind of took us around uh and showed us you know this is the gathering here's some stuff let's play some games and have fun was mike gray like that's how do you top that that was that's great and so it's just this this legendary designer who is the nicest guy in the world, and he's like, "Oh, you want to just let's let's play some games." I'm like, "That sounds fantastic." And so even though the mystique of that wears off, and it's like, "Oh, it's Mike. That's great," and he's still a great guy, but I'm not starstruck in the same way. Now it's just, "Oh, all these people are really really nice," and so I think the red badge uh, experience welcomes you in, and then also puts this. Uh, puts you into a a, a space where you wanna you want to put it push it forward. You want to pay it forward. Not that you feel obligated or responsible, but that you yourself had such a positive experience and you now feel some measure of responsibility for the culture of the gathering that you want to then make it comfortable for the red badges going forward. So I think that it's a great component of the experience for a smaller show where you can really encourage warmth and you can encourage community and you can really encourage the expansion of community it's as if the red badge were what an anthropologist might call a an initiation ceremony for a pan-tribal gamer sodality 
but on other uh, smaller words, I wanted to talk about the prize table. Uh, we had a great table, a uh, great table, a great question from Andy, or a great statement from Andy saying that the prize table was quite an experience, and I have actually reconstructed part of the blood ceremony that occurs prior to the uh, the table being initiated. And I believe you have to perambulate twice, if I'm not mistaken, and prostrate twice to the altar after anointing yourself with goat's blood. Um, so can you tell us what happens after the goat's blood? Just, uh, I'll go to Daryl here, but I really kind of want to spread it out to Daryl and Colin and, and Jill. So you want to just pass it down the line? Yeah, well, I'll save, I'll save the goat blood description for the other two. Uh, but in short, what I will say is actually in the past, we had a different system. So we had a brand new system this year. Uh, but in general, I'll just talk about it very brief and then I'll let the others uh, get into detail about uh, the new system. But what's really neat uh, that I want to highlight is that um, each year, some people make like really pour themselves into some really creative uh, gifts, anything from Debbie O doing some some drawings. I know, for instance, uh, Sean uh, Jackman did a, a, framed one of his photos. People hand make things like earring, meeple earrings, or um, meeple pillows, or these huge meeple pillows that someone's made. Um, quilts. I've seen. I've seen umbrellas. Uh, I've seen a variety of just really creative endeavors of people using um, their other hobbies and mixing them with games and creating these wonderful gifts. And then the, the really fun part about it is that um, Alan and the other hosts highlight those gifts. So they really put them on display and have everyone see those. And often those are some of the very early on uh, picks uh, from the table because everyone who brings a prize, everyone also gets to leave with a few prizes. And uh, Alan's joke is always that um, we should probably have to pay more because we leave with more from the prize table than we even paid to get there, which I, th I think Alan is actually helping co cover the bill a little bit because I don't understand how he even covers the cost of a 10 day thing. So, uh, but that's, that's my kind of overview to the prize table. I'm going to pass them to Gil. Tell us a little bit about uh, the prize table experience. Yeah. So uh, exactly as Daryl said, uh, in order to qualify for picking from a prize table, you have to donate to the prize table, uh, which is only fair. So uh, in past years, I think the first year I brought, uh, I just brought a copy of Brass because I couldn't think of anything else to bring. And, you know, that was, that was fine. That was perfectly acceptable. Uh, I think the second year uh, I managed to get my hands on that D&D uh, limited edition thing, that really gorgeous thing, and it was it was still sealed, still in shrink. So I uh, I'm not that much of a D and D person, so I, I figured it, I'd rather have it go to a good home, and rather than sell it at the flea market, I thought it would be a great prize table uh, prize. So uh, I left it up there. Um, and the third year, I brought uh, Burgle Brothers with the with that 3d tower and with the flashing lights for the alarms uh, that I think is my favorite prize that I brought so far. So, you know, and for me, that's a lot of the prize table. I remember more about what I brought than what I got, except last year I did get picked early. So what happens is uh, once you leave, um, you, you drop stuff off on the prize table in the corner of uh, the ballroom. So everybody gets to see uh, the prize table contents grow and grow and grow over the course of the week. Um, so you can sort of pick things out because there's going to be stuff that's common. Like this year I dropped off three copies of the networks, uh, along with the, on the air expansion. So, you know, people saw that, you know, they got to write it down to say, Oh, I want to, I, I want to make sure they make a list because then, um, your name gets called. The first people to get called are the people who bring like the 10 coolest, uh, prizes. So as, um, as, uh, Daryl mentioned, you know, Debbie O brings uh, her handmade drawings, and uh, Scott Ferrier usually paints uh, a game, like he, he'll paint Scythe or Star Wars Rebellion, something like that. Um, and then... Um, and then everybody, uh, and then once that's done, any everybody won one of the tournaments. There are a few tournaments, not many. There's a puzzle hunt, and on Sunday there's a can't stop tournament. So the people who win tournaments, uh, they get to pick next. And then from there on, it's a random draw. 
Uh, this year they did a cool thing where they split the prize, the prizes as equally as they could into two halves. So they picked, uh, you know, they picked people's names and everybody picked from one half and then they kept the order and they reversed it. So the people who picked last in the first half picked first on the second half. And that was a really nice way to do it because if you got a bad draw, that means you got a good draw in the second half. Because, you know, I've been, uh, my first two years, I got uh, a really late uh, draw. So, you know, I, I didn't get a bad game. You know, one year I got uh, the new version of Fresh Fish out of that, and I still play that. That's a fantastic game. Um, but, you know, the, then the next year I got lucky with a good draw and I got a limited edition Kickstarter Trikerian which I was really excited about. Uh, but, you know, this year was kind of cool to, like, have a have a strong pick and a weak pick, and that worked really, really well. Uh, and that that's, that I think, it's a really nice way to close out the experience. Very cool, very cool. Uh, so, I mean, you know, we're talking about badges and this and that, but this is a games podcast. Let's talk some games. Um, can you guys talk about the, I know that a lot of great designers bring interesting prototypes. Um, can we kind of round the horn on everybody's favorite that they played and follow up? Did anybody play, uh, cartoon crashers from, uh, Mr. Wilson? Cause I, I've been, I get a lot of emails about that one or Skype's about that one. Probably. All right. Uh, uh, Colin, we'll start favorite game. Favorite game? Uh, dang, intense question. Um, what did I play? So I made a little list. I'm scanning. I'm scanning. Uh, and feel, so, feel free to mention a few others if you can't name just one. Yeah, I'll I'll run through a couple. Uh, what was good? Uh, I finally got a chance. So some some of the stuff that was already published, you get a chance to play. You get a chance to catch up. There's some uh, protos coming down the pipe. Um, I was a big fan of. Uh, Enjoyed Heaven and Ale, which is uh, the new Eggert Spiel, which is going to be uh, at Essen. That's a new Kiesling and Schmidt game. Uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, got a chance to got a chance to dabble. Mister Mister Gilmore, Red Badge himself, uh, showed me a path of both light and shadow. Cool, very cool prototype. Looking forward to trying that some more. Um, what other things? Uh, I have to say, a highlight was uh, uh, Ripos. Uh, working on a couple of new ones, they had uh, really good, um, really good uh, game called When I Dream that's going to be coming out uh, later this year, which I think is going to be fantastic. Uh, it's a great experience. Um, what else? And uh, enjoyed Arena for the Gods, which is uh, Yellow's new one. I think that's going to be at Origins. So I mean, there were a fair there were a fair amount of games that are st- are waiting to be come out, uh, waiting to come out, which were great. Uh, I, I took a real dive. Um, I was, there's a new game uh, that just got released, which is about stained glass. I can't remember what it's called. I would not, I would not recommend it. I mean, the I think production. I've heard of that. No, it's it's no, terrible it's, out here. Just absolutely horrible. It's on the face of it, it just seems like a mistake. But again, they really... poured a lot into the art and the style. Uh, oh. Oh, it's not oh, his. Is it? It's awkward. So awkward. Oh, oh, this is God. so awkward. Uh, can we cut that in post? This isn't live, is it? No, no, it's not live. Oh, thank God. Okay, let's just get rid of that. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, stuff like that. Those those are pretty high up on the list. And uh, I, I finally got a chance to uh, play some late night Captain Sonar. And uh, for about 95% of the show, I was the Chicago Cubs of Secret Hitler. So that's also... Uh, 102 years of not doing well in that game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it's a cool opportunity to play some of that new stuff and then to catch up on stuff that falls through the cracks because there's so much stuff you cannot play at all. Uh, so those were those were some of the highlights, I'd say, for me. How about you, Gil? Oh, you're on mute. Oh, yeah, I know. Once there we go. My 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 computer's taking about five seconds to unmute. Uh, so um, I uh, unfortunately I can't talk about all the prototypes I played. Uh, generally, you know, when you play a prototype, uh, you like I only talk about it if the designer or publisher gave me explicit permission to discuss it. So there's going to be some that I skip. Um, 
but uh, I did get to try uh, Codenames Duet, uh, which was really exciting to try. I I really enjoyed it. There's some uh, cool twists they have in it, and I'm looking forward to giving a giving a shot. Um, and let's see, what else did I uh, did I get to try? Um, I got to try the new version of Brass. Actually, they're, they're, so they have two versions. They have uh, Lancashire, which is uh, a streamlined, a slightly streamlined version of the original. And then they have Birmingham, which is effectively a new map. And so uh, I got to try Birmingham, uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, what else that's uh, new that I got to try? Uh, let's see. Um, there are some games that I, so, some other games that, while not prototypes, there are relatively new. I actually brought a role-playing game to the gathering. I was a bit of a rebel. Um, I brought a game called Hearts Blazing. Uh, that is a new game from uh, Games by Playdate, and that's a fantastic storytelling game. We had a really good time with that one. Um, I yeah, nine escape rooms. Like I said, a couple of prototypes that John Gilmore brought. Um, I got to try at New York Slice, uh, which is the newest game from Bezier. Uh, and I have very strong feelings on this because, uh, that is the best kind of pizza. There's, there's no argument there. Uh, <laughs> I think Colin just knocked over his phone, uh, probably in anger. Uh, and, uh, let's see, I got to try, I'm just looking at all the other things that I got to try. Uh, finally got to try, uh, Marcy Case from, uh, Time Stories. That was great. Uh, I got to play Sensory Spice Road. Um, I was an early play tester on that game. Uh, so I was really happy to see what they did with it. That was fantastic. Uh, Magic Maze was a game that was being played a lot. This, uh, real time, uh, puzzle game that was a lot of fun, though it could be frustrating with the wrong group. Uh, I'll give you a warning about that. If you take your games very seriously, you will not like that. Um, and uh, I think one of my favorite games of the week was Animal Mind, this game from Japan. And it's it's a very simple 15-minute game where you're offering cards to other players, uh, but there are some tricky things in that you have three cards that say accept on one side and reject on the other. So if you have at least one accept card showing, you may accept a card from someone else, but then you got to flip that card to reject. Um, so if all you have are three reject cards, you may only reject. So somebody may offer you a card that you really need and be like, oh, I guess you're in a rejecting mood and, you know, grumble, 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 but you get to flip one of your cards over to accept. Um, or if you're all set to accept, and you may only accept, uh, then somebody may pass you a card that turns out to trash one of your scoring piles. Uh, it's got some really cool scoring twists in it, and best of all, one of the playable characters in the game is a ferret. So, of course, that makes it an immediate eight for me. Like, just having the ferret alone, immediate eight. Right, right that, that's all it takes for me. Uh, so that was one of my favorite games of the show. Awesome. I'm just writing down make more games with ferrets. One sec. Yes, uh, please. So uh that's a life goal uh that's maybe all my games will now have ferrets uh but uh i also i i gotta i gotta give a few more shout outs for a few other games i got to play i was going to mention brass but you already gave that a shout out wow is that gorgeous uh magic maze i had an all-star team uh so i just gotta give a shout out to my magic maze team um i chris stephanie z you know we can't be beat all right, uh, so we, we did seven levels in a row, and then we just thought we should stop because we just didn't want to uh, destroy the game in one sitting. Um, Century, uh, it was as Gil was mentioning, it was really fun to see the game come to life after playtesting. Three that I um, that I want to give shout-outs for, um, Rivers, Rivers Ganges uh, from Hooch and Friends. That was probably my favorite uh, game that I got to play. Um, it's a great worker placement. Um, a really simple tile laying game uh, that I really enjoyed was number nine. Um, a nice little uh, you're you're stacking numbers, and um, I got to play test this before, and it was fun to see its evolution. But Detective from Van Ryder Games uh, with the stunning uh, cover by uh, Vincent. Um, so there's a few more games to check out. I'm sure if you look for blogs and stuff like that. And I got to give a shout out for Kevin Wilson's crazy. Uh, game. I did get to play it. It was hilarious. Um, 
it, it, it's a crazy cartoon racing game where you're dropping things like anvils from the sky and and l- rocket launching and and racing around this chaotic figure eight course and it was hilarious so um have to uh, give some love for that as well uh but with that i can't believe it our time has run out nate can you wrap us up uh and we we got to call this a show yeah, I I, uh, I can and I will. So it's been amazing listening to uh, you guys talk about a party. Um, and I think the, the main thing to, to drill down here is what Colin said of foster your community. You know, you can start a gathering with your friends. You can make new friends. That's what gaming is about. Um, and that, you know, bring people into our culture. Don't feel bad that you weren't at that party. Start a party, find some people lives in a positive way. I met a guy last night at Whole Foods. I was working there. Uh, ooh, that's a really, really yucky sentence. Uh, but I, you know, I invited him to a game night, and that's how it starts, one person at a time. So I think we can not focus on exclusion on this, but inclusion on what makes our hobby so cool. So go out, find some new people, start a party, play some games, keep it positive, and I think that's it. Thank you so much to Gil. Uh, thank you, Colin. You content genius, you. Uh, and uh, there you go, guys. That's the show. Have a wonderful week. And we have no music, so da 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 da. Thank you, da da da.